What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host with the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. It is episode 52. 52, everybody. Thanks so much for continuing to support the show. If you haven't already, patreon.com is the way to do it, slash Brian Tong, and we'll get to that later. But this is all about y'all, 833-888-ABXL, to call in, again, 833-888-2295. We got a bunch of calls. I know some of you all, you, you can't really tell if your signal is good or not, but we had some crackly ones that were actually really good, but I just can't use it. So if you want to, you can also email us directly, applebitsshow with a Z at gmail.com. All right, let's just jump into it. A lot, a lot going on this week, so much that I really couldn't pack it all in, but I wanted to give you the highlights of what's important and what you should care about. And I think the biggest one, really, it it was kind of like, huh? Why would they do this? Apple just endorsed AT&T's fake 5GE network. And what this is about is Apple recently released the latest iOS 12.2 beta 2. It was first available to developers. They just released it recently publicly. It's the second beta for iOS 12.2. But what happened is that users on Twitter said, hey, um, that LTE icon in the top corner now says 5GE. Now, this is presumably because they are in cities where AT&T's 5G evolution network is active. But the problem is that this is not actually a 5G network. This is not a 5G network. It is still an LTE network. What it comes down to is that the E stands for evolution, and it's a brand name that AT&T is using for some parts of its LTE network that reaches a peak theoretical wireless speed of 400 megabits per second, which doesn't even match 5G data transfer speeds, and in fact is really the same as traditional LTE speeds. And you know what that's going to get, everybody? Ah! That's a bad apple. Really, guys, you're going to do that to us? I think that's all. For me, I hope Apple, this is still the beta. I hope they flip that switch and turn this off because it's a tweak that will not only confuse people, but I think there are, look, there are plenty of customers outside of the people that listen to this podcast because all y'all are the smarty pants people that when they see that, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, my iPhone has 5G. It doesn't. It does not have 5G. AT&T provided a statement after this report uh, to Mac Rumors saying, um, this is their statement, today some iPhone and iPad users could start seeing our 5G evolution indicator on their devices. The indicator simply helps customers know when they are in an area where the 5G evolution experience may be available. It's 4G, bro. It is still... 4G, stop it, guys. Just stop it. I hope I hope Apple does something to tweak and fix this, but you know what? They won't. They'll be like, oh, yeah, your phone, your phone got 5GE. Hey, Ma, your phone's got 5G. Oh, wow, I don't need to upgrade anymore. Yeah. All right, also in the iOS 12.2 beta, some people are actually like jumping on this because Apple has introduced four new Animoji characters that can be used in the messages and FaceTime apps. Again, it's the beta right now. This includes a giraffe, a shark, an owl, and a boar. And you know I will be doing 
baby shark and hitting up people with it and annoying the crap out of them thanks to that shark and emoji i can't wait just just give it to me right now or yeah sure i could upgrade to the public beta the other thing if you're talking about ios that dropped uh just this week uh just a day ago the unicode consortium officially approved the final 2019 emoji list this is a big deal every year it's like which emojis are we going to get? There's more than 200, including uh, we got a flamingo, a waffle. Right now I can do waffle house emoji to make sure people know I want to go to the waffle house or I'm craving it. Sloth, people holding hands. There's an ice cube. There's like a juice box. There's a bunch of them on here. The thing about this is that they have been approved, but when you'll actually see these on your phone is typically in iOS 13.1. So, Last year, in 2018, the new emoji showed up not when Apple released iOS 12, but in the iOS 12 point update. It's been similar in previous years, so we're probably expecting this to come out in iOS 13.1 or one of those kind of mini updates after the launch of it. So you're going to have to wait till around probably October-ish. But, it, but just let you know, like check it out. It's the new 2019 emojis that have been approved and will be coming to iOS later this year. I don't know. Emoji stories always made me happy, and that's why I like them. What also makes me happy is Apple kind of getting closer and closer to this new TV strategy that they're working on. We still don't exactly know when it's going to come out, but it is it is coming closer. So what happened is in an interview or basically in a response to a question from Shannon Cross of Cross Research, Tim didn't necessarily break it down because he's not going to reveal everything. But in the conversation, he kind of brought up some specific points that are the important stuff from it. So one of the big points he said is that Apple is going to make it easy and possible to consume the video that Apple makes and sells on other people's hardwares like Samsung TV sets. So we saw that at CES, Apple partnering with Samsung, LG, Sony and others, and a Vizio to get airplay 2 working and then even in the case of samsung the actual itunes movie and tv show app on their platform so that's one step another thing tim cook brought up is apple already lets people buy subscriptions to tv services like hulu Uh, you'd have hbo now via its itunes store so it's going to do more of that apple believes it will end up selling a bundle of those that will compete with traditional pay tv bundles so This has been kind of a goal that Apple's been trying to achieve, but this would be kind of more of like a bundle of, of, you know, if you read into this, the -the over-the-air services. The third point he said is that Apple is buying a lot of TV shows and now movies, and they're also making deals for stuff with people like Oprah Winfrey. We know Kevin Durant is part of that. There's been a lot of comedies, uh, a lot of production houses making content specifically for Apple. So again, we know that Apple has said some of these things in different ways um, and they haven't refuted it at all but if you kind of like bundle this all together and these three points what you kind of see is like what how this thing is starting to shape up into and so really it could be a combination of apple selling a bundle of other tv shows and movies from those services like hulu and hbo now they'll add their own content with this exclusive content that they've been locking in on on their own. And then they're going to make sure you can watch it anywhere you want on TVs like Vizio, Samsung, LG, and so on. 
We still don't know again when they're going to launch this. A, a lot of people are guessing around spring. How much are they going to charge for this? Um, will this be its own product or be part of a larger subscription service that could include like Apple Music or their new Apple's news service, um, even that magazine service that we've talked about? I think really they should go for some killer bundle deal. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they broke them out just because um, recently Apple already announced that they have 50 million paying Apple Music subscribers. So they've been doing a lot of this. They haven't refuted any of this. I It is one of the most kind of the big things that I'm curious to see how it all shapes up together. There's no way people throw this term around. I think it's the stupidest thing to call Apple's service a potential Netflix killer. You're not, it's not going to be a Netflix killer, but I think what a lot of people have continued to say, and you know, Apple's never going to comment on this, but why doesn't Apple just buy Netflix? And JP Morgan even threw out kind of a report that says Apple should buy them for $200 billion if it wants their own video service to succeed. Because look, you have Apple TVs that are going to have this we know Apple is partnering with a bunch of the third party, you know, or not third party, but TV manufacturers. But really, if they want their service to succeed and kind of get, kind of take that leapfrog that they need to have people already in house using a service that they love, JP Morgan says the figure should be somewhere around $189 billion to kind of jump into this pond and be a major player. They want to be the big fish. Netflix is the big fish right now. I mean, I can't tell you how many times are are people more on Netflix than Hulu? It's Netflix. Netflix is spending somewhere around, if I recall right, I think this year in 2019, somewhere between six to eight billion dollars on content. They just recently made a deal with Richard Attenborough's production company that does all the Planet Earth specials. So all that amazing BBC stuff that you saw that you used to see, it's gonna be on Netflix now. Sign me up already. That's all I need to know. There's a lot of other competition from other services we know. We got DC Universe. Disclaimer, I do work for them, but I love it. We have a Disney Plus service coming out where they'll do show Marvel spinoff shows. Obviously, pull all the Marvel and Disney content off of Netflix and put on there. A lot of competition there. Are people going to just jump on, jump on board with Apple if there's just one show? I mean, I, I've heard about The Handmaid's Tale. I haven't signed up for Hulu just because of that show. I mean, I almost did because of the Fire Festival documentary. <laughs> I watched the Netflix one. It was dope. Anyways, Apple has a long ways to go if they want to jump in to be the major player here. And hey, JP Morgan, a lot of people want, kind of want them to do this to buy Netflix, but we'll see. Another way that Apple is going to also be able to get their content on other TVs at first, there was nothing to say after CES, but according to reports, Roku, my friends at Roku are in talks with Apple about supporting AirPlay 2. The companies are currently working out the details surrounding the partnership. Um, according to sources familiar with the matter, the plans are not finalized and are subject to change. This would be really interesting because Roku, which has the best TV OS, in my humble opinion, I mean, I've said it for years from a long time ago, they have TVs that include Sharp, TCL, Insignia, Hisense, Sanyo, and RCA. So 
whether it's AirPlay 2 or Apple getting their own app on that platform, that would also be huge for them from a distribution standpoint. Um, Roku was reached out by Mac Rumors and they said, Roku said, we do not have anything to share regarding this now. So again, just it's in, it's kind of waiting in the wings, Apple's new major TV service. Also, new services coming to Apple and you. I mean, this is exciting for me to hear. Microsoft is preparing to bring Xbox Live to iOS, Android, and Nintendo Switch. They're getting ready to release an SDK that will allow game developers to integrate Xbox Live into any titles that could run across PC, Xbox, iOS, Android, and Nintendo Switch. Now, I think what has sparked some of this is the fact that Fortnite just did it on their own. They're like, our game is going to, you can get on any platform and jump on here and play this game, right? This whole dream, this whole idea of cross-platform gaming across all our devices is getting closer and closer. So Xbox Live cross-platform play would allow you to integrate friends list, multiplayer, achievements in existing mobile games. I mean, this is this is bomb, and I hope that we see something around this at E3 2019. Like, where will it be? I don't know. Uh-oh. Do you know the song? I hope I hope you're I hope you're bobbing your head. I hope you all said Mario Kart. I hope you said that really loud. Nintendo has announced that it's upcoming Mario Kart Tour game for iOS devices that they teased a while ago won't be ready until sometime this summer. We were hoping it would be earlier. It was originally scheduled for somewhere around um, March 2019, but it's not there. Nintendo says the decision to delay it has been made in order to improve the quality of the application and expand the content offerings after launch. Now, for those of you that listen to the version of this podcast on that other place I used to work for, I have been screaming out loud. I'm going to guess, now that I look back at it, at least five to seven years for Nintendo to just stop, just stop, get put their heads out of their buttocks and drop their own games on iOS devices. $10-$15 straight up Super Mario Brothers OG people would buy it. They, all they had to do was just do that, but I'm glad they're finally getting into this. I remember how disappointed it is when I think their first iOS game was kind of like a avatar thing and I'm like this is this is just trash, man. But Mario Kart Tour for iOS expected sometime in the summer. I don't know about you, but uh I think that's pretty awesome. All the kids, all the kids want to see that. All right, let's just take a breather and thank you, the supporters for this show. Everyone who makes this possible is you. Thank you so much for supporting the Apple Bits XL. If any of you are listening that have been longtime listeners and haven't, I'd appreciate your support. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. It starts at $2 a month. Also, you'll get a completely ad-free version of the show. I also have a lot of perks and benefits at different levels for you at the $5, $10, $25, and the Platinum $100 level. But thank you so much for everyone that has supported this so far up to this point and just kind of keep this going. I'm so grateful and so thankful. So check it out, patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, also, you know, it, it seems like it's been a long time, but it's only been a week. Apple 
reported their earnings at the end of last weekend. There were kind of some key takeaways that you could get. Remember, Apple is no longer reporting any of their units sold for devices, but they did report revenue of $84.3 billion. Even, remember, they warned about decline in China, and it was a dip of like, I believe, $5 billion in revenue. But even at that, with all of Apple's growth, the quarter was their second best in Apple's history in terms of revenue and profit, trailing only the first fiscal quarter of 2018. So, you know, I'm, I'll am i be the first to say, yeah, we're not happy when stupid stuff happens around Apple. Like, I'll be the first to be pretty balanced and like criticize them when it's, when it's a, when they deserve it. But I also have always said after all these things that Apple is not going away anytime soon. They're going to be just fine. So when people say, oh, Apple's dead, they're gone, they're going to be screwed in 2019, they just had their second biggest quarter in the history of the company. Some uh, kind of key takeaways from the earnings report, Apple Music now has over 50 million paying subscribers. We talked about that. They had 1.4 billion active devices at the end of the quarter. The App Store sent a single-day spending record of over $322 million on New Year's Day. Target, Taco Bell, and Jack in the Box will accept Apple PayPal soon. Apple News, the app which I do use, and I'm one of these people, has over 185, sorry, has over 85 million monthly active users. Services are big for Apple. They have now 360 million paid subscriptions across all of their services expecting to surpass 500 million paid subscribers in 2020. And a lot of that will be due to these new TV service, this new news service, whatever else they give us. The wearables category alone is approaching the size of a Fortune 200 company. And you know how much I have just basically kissed the butt of the Apple Watch Series 4? Because I think it deserves it. And everyone that has gotten one, whether it's you listening on the podcast or my friends that aren't even like tech heads, they love that thing. They freaking love that thing. Um, yes, Apple iPhone sales were down, but they had to throw in, oh, the 10R is the best-selling iPhone model, then the 10S Max, and then the iPhone 10S. So if the 10R is the best-selling and most people aren't buying the 10R, <laughs> yeah, that's not a good that's not a good metric to come out with. Also, if you want to talk about HomePod, this is separate from the earnings report now. We're moving forward. Consumer Intelligence Research Partners put together their latest report talking about, okay, where where's the HomePod in the market? Now, they estimate that the U.S. installed base of smart speakers alone reached 66 million units last quarter. So how much do you think of those 66 million units does the HomePod make up? I'm going to give you like a moment to kind of think about that. How, how, many, how many units? Well, they report it's around 3.8. 9.6 million, which makes up basically just 6% of the U.S. Smart, market, smart speaker market. Just 6%. In comparison, the Amazon Echo, 70% market share in the U.S. Google Home, 24% of the install base as of last quarter. They were huge, popular holiday gifts. They're significantly more affordable. Apple's HomePod is still at $349 unless you got some crazy holiday deal or you got a refurb, and it's just, no matter how good it sounds, it still isn't that competitive. People don't like it when I beat up on Apple products. The HomePod is a product that 
has shown that it's worth beating up on. They got to make it better. I I don't even, you know, even this whole angle of like it is the best sounding product of those devices, I would agree, but it's 349. Make a cheaper one. Make it smaller. It doesn't have to make fine. The 349 is a premium set one. You got to make a cheaper one if you want this space to grow. And yes, broken record. Series got to get better. A new patent has Apple exploring a new glass panel MacBook keyboard that could end its sticky key problems. We already know about kind of how Apple, there was like this whole new butterfly key, switch keyboard that every that they were telling about. And I was the first to say, it doesn't feel nearly as good as the OG keyboards. You end up just sucking it up and getting used to it. A lot of people are like, oh, it's not that bad. I'm like, do you ever go rewind five years ago and use the keyboards on the MacBook Pros and then tell me which one's better? Tell me. Well, it's not the butterfly switch keyboard. So this new patent envisions not like a, a touch bar keyboard that would be like a single sheet of glass, which Apple does have a patent for, but this would be a patent where the entire keyboard keyboard would use individually raised glass elements for each key that would mimic a traditional tactile feedback. So think of it as like a bunch of glass pieces, but because of kind of the depth and the ability to kind of push the keys back into place, you wouldn't get like dust and crumbs and you wouldn't need a membrane under the keyboard like you do for the current butterfly. I don't know if, I don't know if this sounds any better, (laughs) but it's out there. So good on you. Also, we've got a follow up. We talked so much about it with the FaceTime bug. Like what's happening with that? Last week, Apple said they would release an update by the end of the week. It didn't happen. They then said, okay, we're going to release a software update sometime at the end of this week. Uh, As of this recording, it is Wednesday night. So they haven't done it yet. So they got about two more days. Maybe it'll come out by the time you hear this. But no uh, software update has been released yet. They just turned off kind of the group FaceTime bug from the server side. But good news, right? Apple has this program where they reward people up to $200,000 for specifically for security researchers who find vulnerabilities in their software. Everyone was saying, what's going to happen with the kid and the mom that found this bug, but Apple honestly ignored repeatedly? Well, they have said that the 14-year-old kid will, has been told by Apple that he will be eligible for the company's bug bounty program. They said it's rewards of up to $200,000. I'm very curious uh, how, how much y'all think he deserves. He's, he better get at least 100K. They, they, don't, they should not go skinny and be like, oh, here's 50. No, I want him to get the whole two honey. Dude, the mom is the one that did all the hustle. She, she's the one, right? We talked about how she reached out to them like on Twitter, on emails. She faxed them. She phoned them. She she registered as a developer to send in the freaking bug report. The mom. Because she was so adamant for Apple to know about this. And then as they put out a video on YouTube, it finally started getting picked up. And then people, it broke mainstream. But they did everything they could to tell Apple. And our friends at the fruit company didn't listen, but that's okay. Also, Apple executives are saying goodbye. There's actually been, you know, we normally don't talk about this, but... This one is significant. The head of Apple retail, Angela Arntz, is departing Apple in April. Um, Deidre O'Brien, who is the head of HR, will now oversee both retail and HR. She's the vice. Her original title was vice president of people. I think it's really interesting because in a recent interview, 
Angela Arndt said that Apple is all, you know, not Apple. Let me scratch that. Angela Arndt said that retail is all about the numbers. I don't know if she was necessarily frustrated that and more like talking about Apple's philosophy, but some people haven't been happy with this whole, like she came from the premium retail background and really kind of put that into Apple stores as well to keep them as a premium brand. She was, she didn't like the idea that Apple was discounting iPhones because premium brands don't do this, but um, she did kind of really help. I think honestly, the Apple stores became even more beautiful under her leadership but even as beautiful as the stores are, I think it's actually been harder for to get help, like to get a clear sense of where do I go and what I do. I mean, no one likes waiting in line. And a lot of times the stores are so popular, you're waiting like 10, 15 people deep unless you go on off hours to get help. It's like a little chaotic. And you don't, I think the worst thing is like, you don't know who you have to actually talk to to buy a product once you get off the shelf. You're always like kind of said, oh, go to that person, go to this person. I can't help you. So I think they just need to clean that up. They got rid of the whole like table with an actual point of sale system, which is fine, but everyone should just be able to, when I buy a product, it should just be like, it's not as easy to walk out of the store as it used to be. So Apple retail will now be headed by the head of HR. They're keeping someone internal. There was, I can't remember the gentleman's name before Angela Arns, but he was an outsider from Apple. He didn't really last very long, didn't mesh with the culture. So they kind of try to keep it in-house. And I think it's important because 2019 with iPhone sales declining, we'll see. Are they going to double down on this whole strategy of like, hey, we're going to start offering promos and discounts on phones? There were reports that, you know, even from the service side, the techs were told to encourage people to upgrade their phones and buy a new one. Which not necessarily like if they had an issue, that wasn't necessarily the case all the time. So that's one of the departures from Apple after a, a five-year run. In the past seven years since Ron Johnson left, there have been three new heads of Apple retail just kind of like a side note to make mention of. Also, the Apple executive that has been overseeing Siri departs the role. I'm not one to want to get people to get let go, but we know how I feel about Siri. And with the hiring of Gian Andrea, John Gian Andrea, clearly things were going to change. The head of Google's AI, um, they need to fix that. So. Hopefully, it's better for them. <laughs> and then this one was kind of surprising. The HoloLens co-creator who has been working at Apple for three years on a variety of AR projects, like he is leaving as well. So this is kind of like, it's kind of the brain power that Apple has had inside the company. Avi Barzeev, best known as the co-creator of Microsoft's HoloLens, departed Apple, um, which might be a setback for their augmented reality ambitions, depending on how far they've kind of advanced. But look, he worked on their long-rumored high-resolution AR VR headset, which could, I think it's still too early to say, but people are saying it could arrive as early as 2020. If it's good enough, I mean, I'm not going to be wearing one of those things in public. He put out a statement that he left on good terms and he plans to work as an AR consultant while working on his own projects. Not only was he the co-found co-creator of Microsoft's HoloLens, which is amazing and you know, we'll still see how just this whole AR VR consumer space evolves cuz it's it's kind of slowed down and it needs something to kind of kick it back up, but Barzeev also worked on Amazon's Prime Air drone delivery program and helped with the tech behind Google Maps. So this dude is what we call very smart. You kind of don't want to lose that type of brain power, but 
there you go. Three quick execs depart, but I thought they were kind of interesting because of the major departments that they all uh, are part of. All right, we told you to call into the show. We love the voicemails. We got some that were all broken up and, you know, because of cell phone signals, which I hate, but I love all y'all when you call in. So we do have three. Let's just hit the first one. We asked you about kind of some of your FaceTime bug reactions, and this one comes to us from Jim. Yo, Brian, this is Jim from Minnesota. I just wanted to say hi and thank you for doing the show. Also, the uh, FaceTime bug that is going around, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, This actual bug has existed, actually, for several years, although now we can see it with uh, the group FaceTime, and they can reproduce it over and over again with the group FaceTime. But I remember for a number of years that when I used to make a FaceTime phone call, I would sometimes find myself in a bug or a glitch where I would hang up, but the person could still hear me or they would hang up and they could still see and hear me. And you can go look on online forums and stuff. This has happened to multiple people. I think it's just becoming a bigger deal now because Apple has publicly again announced that they're all about protection and stuff. And this is just another way for people to exploit like, Hey, anytime you make a security model or you say that Apple's the best at security, we're going to try to knock you down a peg by showing you that there's an exploit here, showing you that there's an issue. However, I don't think it's a big deal. And I think that this was just something that's been going on forever. But now that people and users can actually create it themselves by doing the group time and Apple's already patched that bug, um, I don't think it's really that big of a deal that the internet is making it out to be. Anyways, thanks. Love the show. Hope you guys have a good one. Peace. All right. Thanks so much for this call. Um, this next one comes to us from Gil. I had asked them to kind of follow up because there is there's a case going on between Apple and their apps practices. And look, Gil's a lawyer. He's the, he's the guy that knows the good. So I wanted to kind of get his perspective. And it also is kind of really good information for all of you that, you know, that love this kind of nitty gritty inside baseball. Brian Gill from San Diego. I just wanted to uh, respond to your request for some comments on the Apple v. Pepper case. That's the case that the Supreme Court heard uh, oral argument uh, a few weeks back, uh, actually brought by purchasers of apps uh, against Apple, saying that uh, Apple has a monopoly on on their app store, and as a result, uh, they've been damaged because Apple's basically forcing uh, prices to go up by charging all app developers 30%. Um, important to know that the issue before the Supreme Court is not the sort of ultimate question of whether or not Apple is a um, is a monopoly and has violated the antitrust laws. It's a real specific question about uh, that's technical in the antitrust sphere, which is uh, traditionally the per- the person that is the direct purchaser um, is the person that is uh, is entitled to bring uh, the lawsuit. And here, at least, the argument that Apple was trying to make was. Um, look, we're, we're not selling uh, the apps to the users. Uh, the apps, the app developers are selling the apps. Those are the people that set the prices. Those are the people that get the money. We just get a, a percentage for the processing fees and, and, and letting them be on our app store. Um, it looks like from the arguments at the at the Supreme Court that the justices weren't buying that. It, it at least it, it sounded to me like there were five justices to say no to that. 
uh, it was an interesting combo of justices. It's sort of some, a lot of most of the liberal wing and then Kavanaugh of all interesting, uh, just for those following, uh, the political piece of that, um, that seemed to be questioning, uh, Apple's argument and may allow the case to go forward. Now, if the Supreme Court rules against Apple, all it means is that this goes forward into litigation and the plaintiffs are still going to have to prove that Apple is a monopoly, which has always seemed weird to me because obviously you can pick another phone. You know, you, there's, a, there's a whole other ecosystem out there. So Gil's call got pr- cut short, obviously, but he was pretty much getting the point of, yeah, Apple doesn't have a mon- monopoly on these phones. And so it will be hard to prove, but I thought that the insight that he had um, was really cool about what is actually going on there. So thank you, G-Money. We appreciate it. All right. And then, um, you know, we kind of like to leave on a high note with happy customers. Hey, Brian, this is Trevor from Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania. And uh, I'm just calling to say I bought a 2018 iPad 9.7 inch and I love it. And uh, it's a really nice product. Uh, I like the, the feel of it, how fast it is. I haven't upgraded iOS 12 yet, but uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm watching Hulu and Netflix and doing some other stuff on it. But uh, thank you, and I love your show, and I have a good day. Peace. All right. I like another satisfied customer. I mean, I still think, okay, as long as you don't get a bent one. Um, yeah, the iPad pro is the ipad is dope all right thanks so much for everyone for listening and hanging out with us again patreon.com slash brian tong is the way that you can support this and thank you so much to our platinum apple supporters brandon ledford terrence mckelvey from shadows wealth partners gil cabrera andy halverson wesley freighter and Jarrett lewis thank you so much and for those of you who are listening that aren't supporting you know what other ways you can support if you can five-star review the show we're pretty dang close to 700 freaking five-star reviews on itunes tell your friends about it but i hope you continue to enjoy this i keep on bringing it for you and this is just fun stuff that we all love and just uh you know love to share our passion for tech and also like just that inside apple love and sometimes frustration all right everybody thanks so much for listening it's the apple bits xl we'll talk to you soon take care all right peace